Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We know that membership has everything to do with it. If you're a Christian, you're a member. If you're not a Christian, you're not a member. And so we don't want to rule over you. We want to serve you. And it's our joy to serve you. It's our joy to just be a blessing. You see, people like Abimelech, he wanted to rule over the people. He was ambitious and cruel and manipulative, and he wasn't deserving, but he wanted to take that authority. And he killed his 70 brothers, or actually 69 of them, to gain that authority. Notice the story goes on. But, but, but the, oh wait, you got to see this. Look at this. Look, look, wait, wait, he was up on the mountain. Remember I told you Mount Gerizim is a mountain of blessing? Did you see that in verse 7? Is a mountain of blessing. So he's on this really high pulpit and he's standing over the people and he's giving this great sermon or this great, you know, parable about the brothers and Abimelech being the bramble and the brothers are the olive tree and the fig tree and the vine tree. And then he rebukes them for mistreating Gideon's family. And then it says, I love verse 21, and then he ran away. He's doing all that talking, but he thought, you know, I bet get out of here they kill me. <laughs> That's what it means in the Hebrew language, of course. You understand. Now, now look at verse 22. Now, after Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years, fascinating, God sent a spirit of ill will. Some of your Bibles say, Ra-ruach in Hebrew or an evil spirit. God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. That the crime done to the 70 sons of Jerubbabel might be settled and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother who killed them. And on the men of Shechem who aided him in the killing of his brothers. And the men of Shechem sent men in ambush against him on the tops of the mountains, and they robbed all who passed by them along the way, and it was told Abimelech. Now, notice that we got to stop right there. Everything's fine. Everything's been fine for about three years. Bad blood developed between the men of Shechem and the bramble Abimelech, and so they set up an ambush on a highway to get Abimelech. And while waiting, they figured they would just rob some people. This is the first mention of highway robbery in the Bible. And in judgment, God removed the peace and sent an evil spirit or ill will between the men of Shechem and Abimelech. Now, You got to understand this. Lots of folks have a problem with this. You mean God sent an evil spirit? Yes, he did. That's what the Bible says. 
And this is not the only mention of it. We have another mention. If you're taking notes, you look this up in your own time. First Samuel 16, 14, the Lord sent a jealous spirit to Saul and he hated David and tried to kill him. And he threw a spear at him. You know that story. And David was really smart because he ducked. And then in 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 22, God sent a lying spirit or a demon spirit was sent to the most wicked king of Israel. Who would that be? Ahab. You guessed it. And then in Isaiah chapter 19, God sent a spirit of perversity or a perverse spirit to, to uh, Egypt. So we have many mentions of God sending allowing an evil spirit, a perverse spirit, a lying spirit, that which is evil, allowed by God. Now, for many Christians, this is a tough one. For many non-Christians, this is a tough one. I think the answer is simple as this. God is much bigger than Satan. Say amen if you knew that. And God, get this, get this. Are you ready? Get this. God is puppeting Satan for his glory. I bet you never thought of that. I really didn't either, to tell you the truth, though I had to look at this. God is always in control. See, we look at the world situation and we think, oh, God's out of control. Oh, well, President Bush is doing this and these people are doing that. And oh, my gosh, the world is going to hell in a handbasket and God has lost control. That's not true. God is very much in control. And through our study in the book of Revelation, we discovered that God is in control. God is always in control of Satan, the false prophet, and the beast. And when he's ready, he will put them all down. So God is always in control. And, and God is, is always using Satan. Satan is working for God. Satan is actually accomplishing God's will. You see, God wants us to choose to love him and to choose to follow him willingly. And without Satan, man would have no choice. And so God allows Satan to these evil spirits and perverse spirits and lying spirits. God is in control of all of that. How do you know, Rodney? You remember the book of Job, don't you? Satan, where you been? Oh, walking to and fro throughout the whole world, seeking who I can disrupt. Oh, really? God says, have you considered my servant Job? It's like, God, please don't brag on me. This is not good. This is not good. This can't be good. Have you considered my servant Job? And Job's probably going, no, don't say that. And then, you know the story. He uh, went and tempted and tested and took everything that Job had. God said, yeah, go ahead, Satan. Go ahead and test him and tempt him and, and, and do what you're going to do, but don't touch his soul. What does that tell us? God is in control. God is always in control. And so God is using Satan. And the things that as God sends an evil spirit or God sends a lying spirit, God is always behind the scenes using Satan. And so for me, I don't have a problem with that at all because that also tells me that nothing, listen, that, that nothing, listen, that should tell us as believers that nothing can happen to you unless it first is filtered through the hand of the Almighty. Amen. 
I don't have to worry about, oh, Satan's going to do this and Satan's going to do that. And the devil did this and the devil did that. See, that's why I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about what the devil did. I refuse because I'd rather let my words be given to glorify God who is in charge of everything. And whatever Satan is doing, whatever Satan is not doing, I know that God has one hand on the thermostat and one hand on me, and it'll never get too hot where I can't bear. He will never put more on Rodney, and he will never put more on you than you can bear. That you can know, and that's about all you need to know. One hand on, on me and one hand on the thermostat, it'll never get too hot for you. God, I can't handle this. Yes, you can. God, I can't stand this. You'll be all right. God, I want out of it. Yeah. But God knows exactly when the time when you have been cooked. I told you this wasn't one of them fuzzy sermons. <laughs> you know? But isn't that encouraging? Does that not encourage you? I hope it does. Nothing's going to come your way that God is not in control of. Now, Gael, the son of Ebed, came with his brothers in verse 26 and went over to Shechem. And the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. And so they went out into the fields and they gathered grapes from their vineyards and they trod them and they made merry. You know what that means? It means they got drunk. And they went into the house of their God and ate and drank and cursed Abimelech. And then Gael, the son of Ebed, said, who is Abimelech? Can you hear him like walking around with a shade on his head or something? You know, they're all drunk. And you know how people act when they get drunk? You know, they're like, who is Abimelech? I'll take him on. Where is he at? Damn up, limb from limb, you know. You know, when you're drunk, you just say all kinds of, I wouldn't know anything about this. I'm just telling you that. I'm going to tell you just what I've seen. <laughs> Amen, brothers and sisters. And, uh, and so they went into the house of their God. They ate and they drank. And then Gail in verse 28, the son of Ebed said, Who is Abimelech and who is Shechem that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jerobabel? And is not Zebel his officer? Serve the men of Hamer, the father of Shechem. But why should we serve him? If only this people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. And so he said to Abimelech, Increase your army and come out. Now see, this is why we know he was drunk. It's not good to drink because who does this? Who says this? No one says this when they're not drunk. You don't say increase your army and come fight with me. It's like, okay, I'm ready for you to, to, to tear me up and, and beat me up. I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, nobody does that. This man is drunk. His blood alcohol level is way out of the roof. So when Zebul in verse 30, the ruler of the city, he's kind of the mayor, heard the words of Gael, the son of Ebad, his anger was aroused. And he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly saying, take note, Gael, the son of Ebed and his brothers have come to Shechem. And here they are fortifying the city against you. Now, therefore, get up by night, you and the people who are with you and lie in wait in the field. And it shall be as soon as the sun is up in the morning that you shall rise early and rush upon the city. And when and when he and the people who are with him come out, 
against you, you may then do to them as you find opportunity. And so Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night, and they lay in wait against Shechem in four companies. And when Gael, the son of Ebad, went out and stood in the entrance of the city of the gate, Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from lying in wait. And when Gael saw the people, he said to Zebel, look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebel said to him, ah, nah, it's not it. You see shadows of the mountains as if they were men. You see, he probably was still hung over. And he says, he, he thinks he sees men. He's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, you know, are those men coming down the mountain? And then he says, nah, you see the shadows of mountains as if they were men. So Gale in verse 37 spoke again and said, see, people are coming down the center of the land and among the company is from the diviners at Tiberin tree. And then Zebul said to him, where indeed is your mouth now with which you said, who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despise? Go out, if you will, and fight with them now. In other words, he's saying you were doing all that trash talking back then. Come on, man, bring it on baby, go out there and fight them now. So Gail went out in verse 39, leading the men of Shechem and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled from him, and many fell wounded to the very entrance of the gate. Then Abimelech dwelt in Armah, and Zebul drove out Gail and his brothers so that they would not dwell in Shechem. Well, it came to pass about on the next day that the people went out into the field, and they told Abimelech, and so he took his people, divided them in three companies. Now, Abimelech is the son of who? Good, I just gave you that answer like 15 minutes ago. Is the son of Gideon. And like father, like son. You see this? Don't you remember when Gideon went to battle? He divided his company into three. And I'm sure that they, although he has his dad's battle strategy, he most certainly does not have his dad's heart. And we can see that very clearly. He learned something about military, but he's not that much like his dad. But he learned something. He, so he took the people, he divided them, notice, into three companies, and he lay in wait in the field. And he looked, and there were people coming out of the city, and he rose against them and attacked them. Then Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the gate of the city. And the other two companies rushed upon all who were in the fields and killed them. And so Abimelech fought against the city. That would be Shechem. All that day and he took the city and killed the people who were in it. This is a bloody man. And he demolished the city and he sowed it with salt. Now when you sow the land with salt, that means that there's no hope of ever planting or growing anything on that field ever again. So he destroyed their ability to, to feed themselves into, into harvest. Now, when all the men in verse 46 of the tower of Shechem had heard that, they entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Bereth. And it was told in verse 47, Abimelech, that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together there. Well, then Abimelech went up to the mountain, uh, Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bough from the trees. And he took it and he laid it on his shoulders. And then he said to the people who were with him, what you have seen me do, make haste and do just what I did. 
So each of the people likewise cut down his own bow and followed Abimelech and put them against a stronghold. That's the fortified cities. People are hiding there because they're afraid of Abimelech and, and he can't really get to them. So he, he gathers a bunch of bushes and a bunch of figs and trees and, and lays them around. Notice, notice he put them against the stronghold and set the stronghold on fire above them so that all the people of the tower of Shechem died about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech went to Thebaz and he encamped against Thebaz and he took it. But there, verse 51, there was a strong, uh, was a strong tower in the city and all the men and all the women and all the people of the city fled there and they shut themselves in that they went up to the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower and he fought against it. And he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. But in verse 53, you want the job done? Get a lady to do it. All right. Say amen, ladies. Y'all like, that's what I've been trying to tell him. He ain't listening to me. But a certain woman, notice in verse 53, dropped an an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. And then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, draw your sword and kill me, lest the men say of me, a woman killed me. So the Bible's hilarious, isn't it? So his young men thrust him through and he died. Is that not absolutely fascinating? Abimelech is on a rampage to destroy anyone who will get in his way. People are hiding and people are afraid of him. And this no-name woman, from the top of the tower, she, she, th- th- this millstone was probably about five to ten inches long. And it was actually like some kind of kitchen utensil or something like that. And she was, this woman was Pretty, she's a tough lady, you know. She threw that thing down there, and you know, she's like the Martha Stewart type, you know. She's like, she's like in the, I mean, I like Martha. She's like in the kitchen, and you know, doing all that stuff that Martha does. And 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 he comes, and she drops this thing on his head, and 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 he says, and he wasn't dead. He's just laying there, bloody and bleeding and bruised, and and almost dead. And he told this guy, he says, hey, you man, please put an end to it. But I just don't want it to be told that it said that a woman killed me. Well, too late. We know that a woman killed him. You know, I heard this story of a, of a uh, this guy who walks into a library and he walks up to a female librarian and he said, I'm looking for a book entitled Men, the Superior Sex. Well, she looked at him and she said, well, it's two aisles down in fiction. So when the men in verse 55, I got to end, when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place. Thus God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech when he had done this to his father by killing the 70 brothers and all the evil of the men of Shechem. God returned on their own heads and they came on them and came the curse of Jotham, the son. So his prophecy or his parable came true that that Abimelech burned them. Now, two things, if you're taking notes, I'm going to close with these two things. And listen and don't start zipping your Bibles, okay? Listen, listen here. 
Two things I'm going to give you in closing, okay? What does this chapter teach us? I think very two very important lessons. Number one, the peril of ambition. The peril of ambition. Abimelech wanted to be on top, and he wanted to get ahead. He wanted to be the king. He was ambitious. Nothing wrong with being ambitious toward the things of God. But when your ambition is fleshly driven and your ambition is ungodly, then there is a real problem with that. And we have a problem with that in our culture because we're told to look out for number one. Get all you can get. Be all you can be. I got to get mine is what many people say. Get it all. Well, the Bible says, again, we should be servants of all, not get it all, but be servants of all. The Bible has a lot to say about ambition. Galatians chapter 5 verse 20 tells us ambition is a work of the flesh. Romans chapter 2 verse 8 tells us the wrath of God awaits those who are selfishly ambitious. James chapter 3 verse 14 through 16 tells us selfish ambition comes from the devil and it doesn't come from God. Philippians chapter 2, it says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain deceit. But in humility, consider others better than you. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Remember the principles of the kingdom? Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount that blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You see, if you want to get ahead, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, the Bible says to be servant of all. Don't desire to be ambitious, desire to be a servant. Amen, saints? And when you serve other people, God will raise you up. That's how you are lifted up, because God does that. Not only the peril of ambition, number one, but secondly, our last and final point, the principle of sowing and reaping. We see that here in the text. Abimelech was willing to do whatever it takes to be crowned, and he was crowned. Not like he thought. He thought he was going to get a royal crown, and he got crowned on his dome with a stone. Y'all didn't know I was a rapper, did you? That was good, man. But it's interesting. Because another thing is interesting here, you're talking about the law of reaping and sowing. It's interesting that where, where did he cut his brother's heads off? On one stone. Look what he reaped. A stone on his head. You see, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, be not, pardon me, chapter 6, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that you shall also reap. And he cut his brother's heads off on a stone, and he reaped his head to a stone. Interesting. You know, if you want mercy, you got to show people mercy. You guys don't ever, ever, ever treat people the way you don't want to be treated. You should remember that. We get all caught up in eschatology, biblical prophecy, and all of these things. How about something simple like this? Don't treat people any way you don't want to be treated. Because if you do, they will treat you the same way. Because it is a spiritual law. You will reap what you sow. Yes, even if you sin and ask for forgiveness, you'll be forgiven, 
but you'll still reap what you sow. It's like throwing a stone into a pond. The stone sinks, but the ripples keep going out. You reap what you sow. It's a spiritual law, and it's amazing to me how many people want to get away from this spiritual law. If you sow sin seeds, you will reap sin trees. So you got to be careful what you're sowing. Very, very important. And that's why I'm asking God for mercy. I'm I'm always wanting to show mercy. You know what? In the ministry, sometime, you know, it looks like, you know, well, how come he's letting that guy do this? You know, how come he's letting that girl do that? And they're getting away with this and they're getting away with that. How come Rodney's not even doing anything about it? You know why? Because I want mercy from God. And don't misunderstand me. If the sin gets too crazy, we're going to have to talk. But I want mercy from God. And I would rather err on the side of mercy and grace than be legalistic and hard and rigid. And, and, and you know, you better get in line or else I'm going to come down on you, man. Not me. No. Uh-uh. I want mercy from the Lord. I want I don't want God to be legalistic and rigid and hard on me. I want God to be gentle and loving and kind. And when I say, God, forgive me, I was just in my office before I came out here. Lord, forgive me. And I want God to say, no problem. Forgiven. Don't be hard and rigid and unforgiving toward people. Because usually when people bugging you and their sin is really driving you crazy. That's usually the sin that's in your own life. That's a whole nother sermon, y'all. We'll talk about that another day. Your sin always looks worse on somebody else. Isn't that true? Don't be like that. The law of reaping and sowing always applies. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.